Welcome to episode 323 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Tux Digital Network. If you are new to the show, Destination Linux is the perfect show for you and for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's episode, we're going to take a look at Ubuntu 23.04 Lunar Lobster. Then we're going to be discussing Microsoft's big plans for Bing and ChatGPT. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. So this week in our community feedback, our feedback comes from Sci-Fi Surfer. That is a really cool name. The, their parents named them Sci-Fi Absolutely. Surfer. That is fantastic parents. <laughs> yes. If you want to send in your own feedback, you could go to tuxdigital.com slash contact and send us an email or join our forum at tuxdigital.com slash forum. You can also find us on Discord. Want to hang out, game with the community, or just chat about Linux? Check out tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Speaking of gaming, Michael and me were gaming yesterday with my son yeah. playing the new Diablo, Diablo. 4. It was pretty awesome. And yeah, we had a really good time. Michael, your rating of Diablo was, it's all right. That's how exciting Michael is in it's all his right. <laughs> video game no, reviews. No, Jill, Jill, you mispronounce it. It's uh, I. I, yeah. It's just oh, I. Oh, it's I. Okay. I mean, it's pretty good. I, I, I'll give it some credit. It's, it's pretty we, good. We played it for like nine hours, so it couldn't have been that bad. You played it cool. for nine hours. I played about three. So, oh wow! Our feedback because he didn't have it ready for me to join. Shut it, Michael! It's until after I got here, even though he had four or five <laughs> hours of time. Sir, sir, hey, huh? the community feedback is for Sci-Fi oh, Surfer, not you. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Here we go. So this actually is from our Discord channel directly. It was such a great comment that I wanted to include it in the show. So Sci-Fi Surfer. Uh, here we go. Thank you for getting Mark on. I think it is important to actually get the news and insight directly from the horse's mouth. A lot is lost in the second and third hand retelling from the public in the various and assorted news sources out there. And I would say this is especially true with Ubuntu. Yeah. That there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions and then the skill level of the people giving those opinions varies greatly. Yes. And so you can get a lot of misinformation. So I really not even just skill level, just length of time in the community because a lot yeah. of this stuff happened ten years ago, and some of it was five years ago, seven years ago, and there's been so many people like repeating wrong information many years over. Yeah, absolutely. They go on to say, in my view, it's more important that you know what someone did and what was in their head at the time they decided to do it. And while they were doing it, then it was to try to agree or disagree because one needs a basis for forming an opinion if one wants to be rational and functioning human being. Listen, if, if you are going to use logic like this that makes sense, can you run for like one of the positions in government, please? Because Yeah, this yeah, is right on. <laughs> we could utilize a lot more of that functioning brain power that you're using. Uh, that we can't seem to get in our and government. rationality. Yeah, rationality, all of that stuff. What is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to all of you, thank you for continuing to stay on the subject of snaps in particular because containerized software is a very critical thing for Linux on many levels. Agreed. 
Getting a sense from Mark's headspace about the topic reassures me a bit because it seems he probably has at least some of the concerns that I do. This coupled with his own and very much unsolicited comment about the importance of free software because of freedom and that he clearly knows that free and open source are not the same thing gives me a level of comfort that honestly I didn't have before. So again, many thanks for this. I just, um, first of all, I adore your comment and this means a lot to us. And we've received a lot of amazing comments about the interview with Mark Shuttleworth. So if you haven't seen it, I really recommend you see it. It's just um, really you get to know him, I think, on a, yeah. on a very different level than mm -hmm. other interviews that I've heard. Not to tout, toot my own horn, but it was just a great interview. We got some really amazing information yeah. out of Mark. He didn't shy away from any of the questions either. Even the questions that were not people expecting us to ask these questions. So yeah. talking about the Snap Store being closed and that sort of thing. And... He didn't shy away from that question whatsoever. And also just having a fun conversation with him about various reasons why I don't update software. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and his crazy. sheer disappointment in you for that. Um, yeah, we tried. I to just updated my laptop <laughs> this morning, by the way. Just so you know. So Michael did that because <laughs> he said that his production machine is why he doesn't update. But I happened to notice when he came over that his laptop was still on Fedora 35. I told you it was on 35. Yeah, yeah. I admitted it. However, it's also part of the production. It's right now in the production. Unbelievable. Right here. Now, I did update it, uh, but it's not done updating. It's on 37 right now because you can't go that far. You got to do more. <laughs> it takes more. a while to get to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they sense. say like two version betweens. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, what I like about what Sci-Fi Surfer is saying here is that even though there's some things, it sounds like that Sci-Fi Surfer has disagreements with or concerns with, yeah. and the way that he is taking, they're taking this argument and essentially uh, saying, hey, being able to get into Mark's headspace while he was creating this thing helps me to kind of understand where they're at versus just saying this is what it is and I hate it because of X, Y, Z or whatever. They're kind of trying to understand Mark better, which I hope everyone listens to that episode with that kind of mindset Yeah, in there because it opened my eyes too. There's a lot of things I have said in the past about Ubuntu that I have problems with. I still have issues with, like sure. the hardware enablement piece. Um, but that interview really did help me. Like when he started talking about the partnerships with the vendors and things out there, realized like mm -hmm. there's work going on towards those things that I have a problem mm -hmm. with. And that was really cool. Just knowing that there's something happening with that sort of subject is a very important thing. And one of the best reasons that are the best outcomes we got from Mark being on the show, because we were getting a lot of information that, you know, straight from Mark himself that a lot of people were confused or questioning for a very long time. And it's a fantastic thing to offer that to the community as well, in addition to just finding information for ourselves. Like yeah. the fact that, unfortunately, the one thing that Mark revealed on the show was very upsetting is that he likes muffins more than cupcakes. That was a fantastic revelation. It actually. was very sad and um, he understands the value. Nobody's perfect. That's what it <laughs> He understands the value of muffins and that's yeah. the most important thing. So I appreciate that. I, I enjoyed hearing about his time in space as well. That yes. was uh, one of the that highlights. Was, he just 
he he worded it so beautifully. Oh yeah, it was very powerful. So mm. awesome! Thank you, Sci-Fi Surfer, for sending the amazing comment and Discord to us. Uh, we definitely read those comments and enjoy them. Appreciate it. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com/tux. That's linode.com/tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support, which is offered 24-7, 365, to every level of user, to their ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, big and small, since 2003. Linode offers industry's best price to performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. So visit linode.com slash tux to get started. And as a member of the Desolation Linux community, you'll get a $100 60-day free credit when you join and become a member of Destination Linode. Maybe you just want to try something new and mess around with some projects that you've never tried before. Well, Linode's simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing options make it a breeze to do this because you can just spin up a node, test it out, then start over if you mess it up, and good to go. In fact, you can use their nodes to build everything yourself or use one of their one-click apps in the app marketplace to deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. So get started on Linode's awesome cloud services by going to linode.com tux. That's linode.com T-U-X. So fresh off the amazing interview with Mark Shuttleworth, we decided this week to cover Ubuntu's latest release, 23.04. Now, 23.04 is what they consider an interim release, so it doesn't come with the five years of support that you get with an LTS, which is a really long time. You only get the nine months, like only nine months, a really nine long months, time, yeah. still nine months there, of bug fixes, hot fixes, updates, and upgrades. The vanilla version of Ubuntu comes with an updated GNOME experience, moving to version 44 there. Mm -hmm. And of course, that comes with the amazing app indicator. The what? amazing app indicator that you mean the background <laughs> app the thing background that doesn't really work some the thing that works sometimes in yeah. addition you've got a bunch <laughs> of different flavors that released but let's talk about the gnome experience so everyone here has been testing because mm -hmm. that's the flavor most people are going to download when they first go to ubuntu yeah so the official flavor yeah. the vanilla call it yeah. vanilla can we call it vanilla? Yeah, vanilla. Vanilla extract. It's, it's funny yeah. because there's vanilla Ubuntu and then vanilla GNOME, and those are very different things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people talk about <laughs> vanilla, and they're talking about GNOME, and then it just, which one are we talking about? So I like to refer to it as Ubuntu proper. Yeah, it's like or this default is just Ubuntu. The, the main <laughs> Ubuntu. You know? Yeah. Very nice. Well, I utilize Ubuntu proper. Mm on many of my machines and enjoy the experience with Ubuntu proper. And the experience for me with 23.04 is, yeah, it's... More of the same. More of the same, you know? It's, it's good. to what Mark said, they do do little tweaks and things in the Ubuntu version that makes it uniquely Ubuntu. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. I mean, there's even changes to core components as well. So there's a lot of stuff that Ubuntu does. And... It's very interesting to say like it's more of the same because that implies that we're talking about it being boring or not exciting and that sort of thing. But that's not necessarily what it means. It's also 
a comforting thing. Experience. Sometimes boring is good. It works yeah. like you want it to. I'm a, yeah. It's not That's boring and a bad boring. It's a good boring. But there's some really exciting changes, I think, more so in the flavor side because we have some new options. Like if you're already using mm-hmm. Ubuntu, then you're familiar probably with KDE, LXQT, Budgie, Mate, Unity options, XFCE options. But now we have a Cinnamon desktop option. That's out right. There, which I spent the most time out of everything in because it was the, well, it's new. So I had to try it because it's new. Naturally. But I wanted to kind of understand, like, what does this mean for Mint? What What's the balance there between these two now? Like, why would I go for this over Mint or... Right. Why would you pick Linux Mint? Or the vice versa. Yeah, you could pick Linux Mint or you could have Cinnabuntu. Cinnabuntu. That should be the name <laughs> of that man. Yes, that's so good, good. Michael. <laughs> so I think it's a good question. And... I don't really have an answer as far as like which one's better, but I think there's a a use case for both because for people who want to have what Mint offers and they have all of the benefits that Mint has their custom applications and their integration systems and they have the, like a time shift support, that's available for Linux Mint. And Ubuntu Cinnamon gets the benefit of all of the cool stuff that Ubuntu has in like the official infrastructure. So in theory, there are some services that Ubuntu has that you could apply on Ubuntu Cinnamon because it's an official like sanctioned flavor versus all the things that Mint has. So there's some people would have the benefit of Ubuntu Cinnamon and then other people would want the Linux Mint stuff. So too. I want to break that down a little bit. Let's talk about what that means to people who are listening. So for Mint, for instance, one of the things that happened with the new Ubuntu flavors is Flatpak support was removed by default. So in certain flavors in the past, they could decide, the the various flavor creators and and developers could decide, yes, we have snaps, but we're going to include Flatpaks on by default. That was changed recently. A lot of people weren't happy with that fact being changed, but I think from a consistency standpoint, it makes sense. Uh, but if you go on to Mint, it's kind of the opposite. Mint the opposite. is taking away all of the snaps, right? for the most part, integration. You can add it in if you want it, but it's not there by default. And instead, utilizes the Flatpak integration. So somebody from a desktop or you know enterprise standpoint wants to utilize Flatpaks. Yeah. Mint would be an option. If you're cool with the Snap infrastructure, then you might as well go with Cinnamon because on top of that, you also get Ubuntu's added support features that they have that you can sign up for for free or pay for that mm-hmm. does additional patching and services and security fixes and things like that that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do on Mint. So if I was a business, I'm probably going to go with Cinnamon desktop option, Ubuntu Cinnamon. Right. And if yeah. I'm a end user, I'm probably, unless all my infrastructure as a business is in Flatpaks, but you can still add flat packs. In, you can add flat packs, yeah. Uh, because yeah. I want that additional support Ubuntu is going to provide. But let's talk about the cinnamon. So when I booted into it, I did not like the brown wallpaper. I'm going to be honest. Like I get it. They oh. took they it's took the cinnamon wallpaper. is brown. The lunar it's lobster. Brown. Sure. <laughs> and maybe it's the lunar lobster thing because it's not my favorite of all of the different um, versions. It naming. is not it's a little remotely goofy. as good as Disco Dingo. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was Disco awesome. Dingo was unbelievable. Yeah. So good. And Groovy Gorilla was also <laughs> a fantastic yes. one. And you can't hit on everyone. Lunar Lobster, it's it's cute, 
But, you know, the graphics and the wallpaper and the people who did it obviously have a lot of talent. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't. But for me, the color scheme, like, I actually missed the bright purples and stuff. of. Well, the Lunar Lobster in A Bunch of Proper looked good. Yes. I think it was just the orange slash brown thing. Because brown is a good color that is misunderstood. But it's not the greatest color palette for you're saying my brown eyes aren't the greatest color how dare you michael Aww. you just complained about brown you just <laughs> complained oh, okay. about brown. in that case continue. which by the oh. way uh side note if you think about it there's no such thing as dark orange because it's brown my wife says i have cinnamon brown eyes oh that why does she lie to you like that? no wonder you like a she never said that so i literally just made that oh up. okay that's that makes yeah. more sense um but i thought that would be sweet if she did so i'm hoping she hears this and says that now the other thing in mint no pressure well not mint but cinnamon ubuntu is the applets like you get the applets you can add in there yeah so you have oh, yeah. applets where you can look at your power uh you can look at your internet you know, usage, you mm -hmm. can look at, the, when I say power, the power usage for your CPUs and GPU and all that stuff, you can add applets for that. You can add clocks, you can add weather applets and all kinds of things. One of my problems with the applets is it wasn't seamless integration into my desktop. So this is where I go weird for a moment. For me, this is weird for me. You mean like? Generally, yeah. I could care less what anything looks like because I leave everything default. I don't care about squares versus rounded borders, and it's it's meaningless to me. I'm like, does it work? But in this case, when I was reviewing Cinnamon, and like the clock was super square, and the gray technically matched another gray, but it didn't fit into my wallpaper or desk the default wallpaper mm. desktop. It just stood out like a sore thumb, like stuff did back in the '90s. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, where that. The applets were functional. They're very cool. I love the idea. Do not get me wrong. It's just they seem their design is dated and they're not like they don't meld well. I think it's also the fact that some of these applets are made for Mint and Mint had the same theme for a very long time. So maybe those applets just haven't been updated to the new theme because I think the new theme only came out last year. Yeah. And not even a year ago, but like nine months ago or something. And that could be a cause for the theme still having that remnants of the old version of Mint's theme because it wasn't a super modern look. It was had like a brush nickel sort of chrome thing. And I think that's what you're referring to in terms of how Ubuntu Cinnamon still has some of those mixed in with a newer version of the like the paradigm palettes. If you let, like, let's say the elementary devs have two months with the applets, it would be amazing. Like, because, you know, they all know design. Yeah. They, they know design so well and how to integrate things so that it all feels cohesive. And the applets took me out of the cohesiveness of the desktop. And that's yeah. not something I normally notice, so I feel like it's jarring. Yes. If you are being pulled out of the experience and you have no problem with default XFCE. Exactly. There's something wrong. There's something really <laughs> wrong there. However, <laughs> the applets were very functional and I will say everything worked very well and I could see why, um, you know, for a long time I used to recommend Mint to people who were new into Linux. I would even install it on people's computers for them and be sure. like, hey, one day you may be interested in Linux and I'm going to have Mint sitting there for you because Cinnamon makes a really good case for being 
very close to a Windows-like experience, yes. yeah, but still absolutely. Linux, obviously, uh, at the core. And I really found it easy to navigate. I found it uh, that the settings were just enough. And I just, yeah, I enjoyed it overall. That was the only thing I would say is kind of the theming with the applets was it. I think it's also really new in this project for Ubuntu Cinnamon. So they have some growth to go to. And I think there's a lot of potential to it. Because uh, Ubuntu Cinnamon is always something that I would be interested in trying because there are certain things about how Mint creates their distribution that I didn't agree with. But Ubuntu as the base with a little bit more of a vanilla approach to the Cinnamon desktop and the Ubuntu experience rather than the Mint repackaging. Because Mint makes Cinnamon, but they also have a different experience on Mint itself. So if yeah. you just install Cinnamon in another distribution, which you can totally do, it doesn't have the exact same experience that Mint does because they do their extra top layer stuff. And I think that's an interesting use case. And also one of the reasons I have always wanted to see an Ubuntu Cinnamon like flavor slash mm. remix is so I could call it Cinnabuntu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love that <laughs> yeah actually for my husband i would often in install just a default ubuntu and then put the cinnamon desktop on it because he loved the cinnamon desktop so yeah. that's something i've been doing for years anyways and it's really nice to have that cohesive you know distro just made with cinnamon in mind nice if someone, and we have a lot of people who listen to this show who haven't even tried Linux yet, they're getting themselves amped up to try Linux, or they got it in a VM, maybe they're getting ready to do that full install. Which one do we recommend? You're a brand new user. Do we go fresh, I'm vanilla, so glad. proper, I'm so budgy, glad. or cinnamon? So mm. when it <laughs> comes to cinnamon versus mint, that question is easier to answer. Okay. When it's the different flavors of all the different flavors that that makes it harder because though there's so many bit pros and cons you would have to, to ask the person what they're using yeah cases what they is. need but in general but yeah i have an answer for the linux mint versus a bunch of cinnamon now with that right. specific question go it depends on one thing if they have hardware that is new then ubuntu cinnamon is the better option because mint is lts based only so hardware-wise, they are not yeah. going to have as up-to-date as Ubuntu Cinnamon would. Mm, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. With the newer Linux kernel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, Mint does update kernel stuff, and yeah. you can manually update the kernel, and people could argue in that sense. But if we're going to be giving it to someone who's new, we're not going to be saying, change the kernel. No. That's just not a practical so thing for easy. beginners. It's so easy. Yeah. They don't even know what a kernel is yet, and we have exactly. comments that tell them it's so easy. Just change the kernel. Yeah, you can have it if you want to update <laughs> the kernel. Like, No, that's not the best way to approach a beginner. So when it makes the decision, Ubuntu, Cinnamon versus Linux Mint, if they have newer hardware, then the, the answer is okay, made for them. But which desktop environment? That makes it more complicated. Just pick one. Yeah. You have to. Stop it. <laughs> I know. I, I can't, it, it's, it's so it's hard. Because you got Mate so in hard. there too. Yeah, you got what? You got Mate in there too, which Mate, you could argue sure. is yeah. a fantastic. Plasma, obviously. I mean, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good. There's a lot of great flavors and spins. Really, Unity now. 
You can't go wrong. I would not give them necessarily as their starting point unless they have a low-powered machine, an LXQ or an XFCE. While those are amazing, I would want their first experience to kind of be mind-blowing mind blowing and yeah. wowing. But mm-hmm. if they have older hardware, those would be great choices for them. But anyways, the other things in this new Ubuntu is their new installer, which is built on Google's Flutter SDK. It leverages Canonical's existing subiquity, 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 that one. Subiquity. And uh, yeah, I think the, shut up, Michael. I think the, I think <laughs> It's ubiquity install, with an S. That's subiquity. What That's what's throwing me. I'm used to saying ubiquity, subiquity. Yeah, su- subiquity <laughs> doesn't sound right. I sound like that guy hunting rabbits. <laughs> subiquity. Subiquity. <laughs> so, Wabbit. That's the underlying library for ubiquity. Yeah. So the changes in this installer is interesting because using the Flutter SDK is, you know, it, it makes it a much more modern installer. Yeah, it's cleaner. Looks good. Yeah. And when it's I really used clean. it, I noticed some stuff was just easier to do than the previous version. Listen, there is no question in my mind. I love Fedora. I love Fedora. It has something, in my opinion, that Ubuntu does not have, which is a much better system for hardware enablement faster than Ubuntu because it's kind of like the semi-rolling thing. So in in that case, Fedora kicks Ubuntu's butt. However, when it comes to installers, there is literally no comparison to Ubuntu anywhere. And I mean any distro, (laughs) period. Nobody touches them. They have the greatest system for installing. What I love is all the advanced features are still there. Mm-hmm. I can set up the AD domain registrations, all of that stuff if I want to. I could do the custom partitioning. All the things are there that are in, say, a Fedora installer as a comparison, except it's so clean and so perfect and makes so much sense that it's almost like accepting the terms and conditions for software. It's like <laughs> next, 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 next. And I know. it's yeah, intelligent enough to pick the right partitions 99% uh-huh. of the time. If there's mm-hmm. a drive with blank space, it's automatically going to be like, hey, you're probably wanting to use this one, right? Yes. Uh, and things like It's just, it's so good, and they actually made it better. And yeah. that impressed the heck out of me because I didn't know you could do much better than what they already had. I mean, Ubiquity is a very functional thing. I think what they did was basically take everything that was good about Ubiquity and then modernize the experience and made it better and faster. Mostly yeah, like the was performance say, was such a huge improvement. I, I noticed that immediately. It was faster, even at, at doing the, the slideshows and the, tu- tu- the little uh, hints and tutorials and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot quicker, a lot cleaner, but, but still at the core is, you know, that fantastic installer that works great even when you're running multiple distros on one machine at detecting all those distros. And that's yeah. one of the things I've always loved about Ubuntu. Yep. You also get the kernel 6.2. So you get some performance boosting, some new hardware enablement for Intel art graphics, for instance, which I'm very excited about. And we're going to talk about in hardware addicts, Intel's new generation of CPUs and some yeah. terms that you've never mm-hmm. probably heard and how they're doing some architecture with these new CPUs. 
FinFET sure. will be one of these words we'll be getting uh-huh. into. Uh, it's going to be really interesting and fascinating. So make sure you check out Hardware Addicts. But the Intel Arc graphics support built in is going to also matter for the next Hardware Addicts episode we're going to talk about too. So that's kind of cool to see the driver support there. But I'm not surprised because Intel usually does better than any other company when it comes to hardware enablement and open source. They've been doing uh, it the longest too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, support for Sony DualShock 4 gamepads, um, updated ZSTD compression code, and lots of security improvements. But here's one that really stuck out to me is the improved Raspberry Pi 4 support. Mm. This one's really important, especially when we can actually get our hands on Raspberry Pis again, you know, because yeah. there's a major <laughs> problem when it comes to supply chain, and it's killing me, Michael. You're not having another Pi. You don't have enough. I've only got five, but I've got another reason why I need one, okay? Because I want to do the home assistant stuff. I ordered ordered the new yellow kit, right? and it doesn't come with a Raspberry Pi. Oh, I see. And I'm worried the yellow kit's going to get here before my Raspberry Pi, and then I have to repurpose one of my five. I don't want to. So I've been going on eBay. I've been doing the... RPI locator to try to find a Raspberry Pi 4 because it needs to be a 4 for the mm. power. And uh, they're they're not in stock anywhere. Yeah, it's almost I, impossible to get them. <laughs> I did recently look on Amazon for them, and the, the 8 gig version of the Raspberry Pi 4 is $200. So. Yeah, that's oh, wow. what they're doing now. They're, they're, they've yeah. done the GPU thing to Raspberry yeah. Pis where they're now scalping them at these insane prices. Wow. Which removes the whole oh. purpose of getting a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. The, like, the entire creation of the Raspberry Pi was to make it easier for people to get it in a cheaper experience. So this is definitely a shame. But I am very curious how Ubuntu now runs on the Raspberry Pi because before Ubuntu was a little bit heavy, heavy for that. Yes. Yeah. A little sluggish. Yeah. So if they improve that experience, I think that would be very beneficial to a lot of people because it'd also be like a, a good starting point to get into the Linux environment if they could have mm. a modern desktop on top of a inexpensive, provided that it is inexpensive at the time, and available actually a piece of hardware because you get raspberry pi 4 has three options you can have a two gigabytes of ram option a four gigabyte of ram option the two is usually for just education institutes are kind of hard to come by and then an eight gigabyte version Mm -hmm. out there so i have no doubt the eight gigabyte probably does amazing i would think you probably don't notice the sluggishness but i wonder if the two and four do really well with it i would be able to test it if there was any available Feel sad for me, people. I only have Feel five. Feel sad for Ryan. <laughs> I don't have a Raspberry Pi 4 that's at all. That's pathetic and sad. Well, hey. that's because they're not available to get. Jill, how many do you have? Oh, <laughs> uh, like 30? <laughs> of 30. course you do. And I've, I've, <laughs> I've tested uh, a vanilla Ubuntu on a 2 gig version, a 4 gig version, an 8 gig version. And it does run on a 2, a bit, bit slow, of course, but it does run. The, the 4 is okay. The yeah. four is okay. It's it's doable. The eight's where but, it's at, right? Yeah. <laughs> I figured. But but I think if if Shuttleworth actually makes the default desktop Unity, then it would work better on the Raspberry <laughs> Pi. <laughs> oh, it probably would. Unity was like that. more efficient than a it lot of was. people gave it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Jill, you also tried out Edubuntu. Absolutely. Now, tell people what this flavor is usually for and what your thoughts were on it. Okay, so it's, you know, very important Ubuntu Linux flavor in our ecosystem because it was actually lost in 2016. 
I'm so excited for this because now we'll be able to use it in the classrooms and it's back, baby. <laughs> it's, it's, it's back, awesome. baby. Yes. <laughs> so the Edubuntu project had started back in 2005 and what was so sad due to lack of contributors was ended with the release of Edubuntu 14.04 LTS. <laughs> Remember that far back ago on Ubuntu? Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was born, but I wasn't using Ubuntu, I don't think, then. <laughs> what, what, so, <laughs> what, what was the version number? Uh, 14. Yeah, 14. you started 04. at 18. 18. Yeah, yeah. yeah. started at 18. So my, my first version of Ubuntu was... The first version of Ubuntu. Gosh, yeah. you're old. See, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what's cool is Ubuntu Studios' Eric Eichmeier and his wife, Amy, whose actually background is in education, are the ones who stepped up to reboot and revive the spin. Thank you so much. Yes. I actually installed Ubuntu 23.04, and it runs super smooth. It has the, the default uh, GNOME Ubuntu experience. But with lots of cool new, cool added features. And it uses the same, you know, apps also as regular Ubuntu. But it has the addition of like the GCompre educational suite, the text paint, text math, text typing, Stellarium, and, and tons of other educational software. And the default application folders. What's nice is they organize to have separate folders for different education subjects, such as math, art, science, and language. And it's got a cool new logo, and it uses Yaru's red theme by default, which is beautiful. I love the, the red theme. I always have. And what's one of the other standout features of Edubuntu is that it has a special Edubuntu installer for installing and uninstalling curated software meta, meta packages based on age. Mm. So That'd be a great as, thing to do for Michael. I could restrict. Yeah. <laughs> Give me preschool stuff for yeah. sure. Yeah, you can install preschool level, primary level, high school level, that's exactly whatever you what want. I need. Yeah, and I, I think that's brilliant. That's something that um, Edubuntu definitely needed. And I was just so happy to hear that it's coming back. You know, when they, they stopped development in 2016, a lot of us teachers, organizations, and schools had to find alternative distros to use. And there, was, there, was, there were a few out there. There's Ubermix, which was, I, I really like. But transitioning to a new distro, distro has always been a challenge. And, um, and, and in fact, with the Linux Chicks of Los Angeles, we've done Raspberry Pi installers for the um, kids in grade. <laughs> so we have, we've had to use other options. So it'd be nice if, uh, yeah, we can install Edubuntu on those Raspberry Pis. And I actually, just overall, Ubuntu in general, the new Ubuntu in general, I love, I actually love the new beautiful Lunar Lobster wallpapers. Well, yeah. I'm a fan of crustaceans. <laughs> I think it's it's a good wallpaper. <laughs> I love constellations too. Yeah, but, but it's not your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that works she too. Said crustacean. I said con- you get the joke. There? Uh, yeah, constellations. It's also correct. It, it also fits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it works. It works many levels. I respect yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but I also appreciate the fact that you did a dad joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. He did. <laughs> it's because of you being here, you know, right next to me is kind of yeah. infectious. So <laughs> I, I, I guess overall, 
Ubuntu's done what Ubuntu always does. You've got a very clean installation. You've got a very yeah. new user approach. Solid uh, the release. The one thing I would love, very solid release to see is a solution to the hardware enablement problems that have, in my opinion, plagued Ubuntu for a while. I would love, and, and Mark's working with some hardware vendors. They're setting up in the interview some special uh, rooms where they can do lots of testing and things. Yeah. And hopefully that also sparks the idea of doing hardware enablement updates for Mesa and Kernel more frequently, even in between, or give people an easy option to do that when they need it so that anybody picking up new cards and things like that or new motherboards and processors and all the new support that comes, all the hard work that goes into every kernel version, people can take advantage of some of that in Ubuntu. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, it's it's Ubuntu. It's solid. And I have to admit, uh, after that interview, I felt a little bit infectious towards wanting to wanting use to Ubuntu. And, you know, I was, awesome. I was playing with it and having some fun. So That might be why the distro hopper itch started happening. And to I, you, yeah. 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 I, wanted to, I wanted to try it out. That's so awesome. And yep. it is a different experience because it's been a while since I tried Ubuntu proper. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's also been a while since I tried Ubuntu in general because of I've been on Fedora for a long time and yeah. I don't switch or update much. But, <laughs> but the... The new experience with GNOME 44 on Ubuntu is very good. I also appreciate the fact oh, that you... Oh, say that one more time. It was what? Oh. Ubuntu's implementation of GNOME. Not GNOME, but Ubuntu's implementation of GNOME is very good. Very nice. Because they make That's some tweaks and they put job, in app Michael. indicators th You're being themselves. being very sweet yeah. today. They and also try and make it look a lot like Unity. <laughs> They do. Like, it has a unity <laughs> feel still. Yeah. Yeah. And the the changes that they do to GNOME yeah. is really nice. Yeah. And I appreciate the app indicators by default. That's very important. But also, you were talking about cohesiveness earlier with Ubuntu Cinnamon. Yeah. And I noticed that Ubuntu's way of doing the dark mode with the implementation that GNOME created it's really nice because it even includes churning dark mode onto Firefox and other applications I wasn't yes. expecting it to. Yeah. So having that attention to detail is a fantastic thing to see because beginners trying out it for the first time, having that polish is so important. Agreed. Because they're going to get the first impression with whatever their first distro is, which is one of the reasons why I'm so adamant that people pick the first when they're gonna when people are recommending a distro for someone's first distro they should not consider what they like they should consider what is the best like first foot forward that that person could experience based on how they use their computer right right so maybe it's linux mint maybe it's ubuntu with gnome maybe it's ubuntu budgie or you know insert other options but as long as they're considering Arch. that option, okay, not that option. Uh, as long as they're considering reasonable options, <laughs> then that would be fantastic. <laughs> so if you had to pick one version of 2304, and it has to be Ubuntu, it doesn't have to be Ubuntu proper, but just any of Ubuntu or the flavors, which one would you pick right now? So Jill, what would you pick? I, I would just go with the default GNOME. Nice. Ryan? Budgie. Fantastic. I think that's a great one. And 
I am going to be switching to a different DE purposefully because I want to have like a new experience. So I'm going to probably pick one of those two. Oh, nice. But if it was like <laughs> my normal choice, Kubuntu. Yeah, Kubuntu's right. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, but you need to try something different. Yeah, I've been I so challenge used you to, to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. For those who don't know, I have been using KDE Plasma as my daily driver desktop environment since 2014. Mm, there's nobody out there left that doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to the show, no, they know you, too. They, and they know yeah, too. They know. Everyone knows. <laughs> Before you even hit download the podcast, it says warning: Michael uses KDE Plasma. <laughs> it's a whole thing we. Put I was into wondering the software. where that note yeah. came from. Uh, yeah, I want my Ubuntu win window maker flavor. <laughs> That's what I Exactly. <laughs> there would be a grand total of seven I, people yeah. using that, yes. and it would be seven of oh, Jill's own. computers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the first software you're going to need to install, Michael, when you do this distro hop is Bitwarden, because this episode of Destination Linux is brought mm -hmm. to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com. Slash TUX. I need you to add the slash TUX so they know we sent you. Plus, it's going to help you out because you're going to get to download Bitwarden while helping us out. That's why it helps them out. And it's free. Do you know you can get started for free? Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords and usernames for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to. You can access your data across all kinds of devices, whether it's mobile apps, desktop applications, even the terminal command line. You can access Bitwarden right from there. They give you options everywhere your app. And Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it leaves your device so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux, that's slash T-U-X, and get started. And if you do a premium account, which is just $10 a year, help support an amazing project like this, you get a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, the TOTP, which we use as a tip and trick of the week. TOTP is amazing. Priority customer support. All this for less than a dollar per month. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux and get started. Let's talk about Microsoft. So Microsoft Bing mm. has been a bit of a joke. The butt of jokes. <laughs> the butt of, of, of many jokes. Yes. And memes for... <laughs> Let's see, how long has it existed? existed the entire yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Because really the best thing that Microsoft did with Bing was allow Google to not be a monopoly when they got sued. <laughs> that's, that, that's pretty much what people say about Microsoft Bing. But Bing has been doing something pretty interesting. So Microsoft recently did an integration of ChatGPT into Bing, suddenly making this a much more threatening search engine for the competitors, those yeah. who will be go unnamed, right? Because there's yes. so many. <laughs> in the months since the integration, Bing has seen a 15% increase in daily active users. That's Bring huge. Yes. Because this sure. change just happened. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that old. So all of a sudden in a search engine world to gain a 15% jump out of nowhere yeah. is massive. I mean, obviously, that people even know that Bing exists now is impressive. That's impressive too. Yeah. Although Microsoft kind of does shovel it down your throat when you're if you are a Windows, yeah, user, yeah if you're a Windows that's user. for sure. Yeah. And also, some of the stuff they require you to do certain hoops to jump through to just use your system. Yeah, right. So it's cool because 
it's just seeing the possibility of a search engine evolving and becoming more useful is not something I'd be like very expecting to see. Like a search engine is a search engine and they've been the same way for decades. So the fact that this has been such a change and so impactful, especially since they say that it's bringing the total daily users to more than 100 million users. So, I mean, Bing does have some really good features. Like before, they had a really good video search and, and image search. And a lot of people didn't know that because mm-hmm. Bing has been just a joke. But there are a lot of stuff that it can do because the categorization system is so good for like video search. Yeah. But to see JetGPT going into it, I think that is... It was a brilliant yeah. investment. They, they spent billions of dollars in chat GPT to get this kind of integration and things in there. They invested billions of dollars in chat GPT and they even saw search volume up 700%. Like imagine if you were a VP and you were in charge of Bing and you went into a boardroom and said, I could get you 20% increase in search volume and Bing. They'd be like, Oh my God, that's an amazing idea. 700% where they start laughing and go, yeah, okay, leave crazy person. But that's what they're seeing here. Now, why are we talking about all of this here? Well, we've mentioned many times about the threats in the ecosystem when it comes to Firefox, for instance, in the in the engines behind browsers. Oh, sure. But the threats to search engine dominance is a really interesting thing as well because now Firefox, I saw, was in talks to potentially switch from Google to yeah, Bing. To Bing. As their mm-hmm. main, so that means they're going to get paid because they get money from Google to do this. Yeah, they're going to get paid potentially for this integration. Now Bing's become real serious competitor all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Also, it's even good for Firefox because people might think Very that good. this is a bad idea because oh, Microsoft is involved and blah blah. But this is a good thing because if Google and Microsoft are competing to be the main search engine, because Google has been the main search engine for a very long time. And people just assume it was going to be. And then it also gave Google power over how much they paid Firefox to do it. So having a competitor that's actually a threat to Google is good for the case of Firefox. Firefox can now get more money. Yeah. Because they got two people competing for the money. Exactly. But here's where things get a little ugly. So... Microsoft this week, it's been in the news, the Bing piece, about the fact that they've announced plans to integrate ads into chat GPT search within Bing. So now your questions about planning trips or eating healthy will come complete with travel site and product ads. And they're also going to use it supposedly for promoting Microsoft products as well. So if you're like, hey, ChatGPT, write me a poem. It'll be like, sure. Have you tried Office 365 online? It's an amazing (laughs) product with Word, and it'd be great for formatting your poem and then finally give you the poem. So, And then they also said surveys and polls may be included as well. So, Well, yeah. let's see. Okay, is this a thing that is happening to Microsoft's version of ChatGPT yes. in being not ChatGPT itself? Correct. Okay. 
So that's that's how I understand it right now. But okay. you know, yeah. Microsoft has established a lot of control over ChatGPT at this point mm. with the investment and everything else in there. So suddenly that $20 a month for ChatGPT Plus doesn't look so bad because no. that's basically maybe in the future, maybe Microsoft does have some impact and the regular ChatGPT could have ads and things. You got to support it somehow. Yeah. They've got to make money. This is not cheap to have the infrastructure yeah out there and Microsoft spent $10 billion investing. They're going to want to get some of that mm -hmm. money back. So I don't fact, think ads are surprising, but oh, for sure. I don't know that this is going to be, this is going to turn out. Okay. When you've got Microsoft owning this chat GPT, which without a doubt has dominated all other AI platforms. Yes. You could talk about, Oh, there's others that exist. Matter most is doing uh, some awesome things with AI and stuff. There, there's other ones out there, but nothing's touching chat GPT at the moment. Yeah. And Microsoft has a major control, at least part major control of that chat GPT's direction and integration with Bing and all of this, which worries me because what does Microsoft do when they have your attention? What did they do with internet Explorer and other things? They shovel it down your throat until they literally get sued by the government to stop. Yes. So, I'm I'm scared <laughs> that it's not just going to be a little ad that I'm going to have Microsoft products shoveled down my throat in order to utilize something that a lot of people, frankly, are going to need just to do their jobs in the future. Well, it's almost like they're going with Google's playbook, but yes. even more. <laughs> even Maybe more so. We'll yeah. See. But yeah. <laughs> Arguably, you could say Google took Microsoft's original playbook. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. But the I think it's interesting because I'm not surprised that they wanted to do this. And I also want to point out, you're talking about the infrastructure and how expensive it is. So there's going to be some level of monetization required. Of course. We talked about the infrastructure and how it was built on Hardware Addicts last episode. So we'll have a link that in the show notes if you want to check it out. Because it is very fascinating how much money that was spent to make these platforms and how little we know about them and what we know about them. Yeah. There are some cool things that we found out that you can find out in the latest episode of Hardware Addicts. But the ad part, the ad part of it, I'm not really surprised. I'm shocked it took this long, really. But yeah. the chat GPT dominance on this topic is so high. It's arguably the Google equivalent of an like so for example when people say I'm going to do a search online, they don't say that, they say Google it. Yeah. And ChatGPT is pretty much at that level. I've had conversations with people who have no idea how AI works or anything. But it's ChatGPT. But they have yeah. heard of ChatGPT. Yeah. yeah. No, and here's an interesting thing I'll throw out there. I've been playing a lot with, now Google Bard has announced that they're going to open it up to everyone. They may have already uh, since, but I, I saw the news this week. But I was in the beta for Bard. When I first started using ChatGPT and Google Bard, Google Bard wasn't even in the same cosmos as ChatGPT. It just was bad uh, in comparison to ChatGPT. It was cool, but it was not good. The recently using Google Bard, I actually prefer it to ChatGPT in many ways. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Thank so you. what's interesting is because Google Bard also utilizes the most current 
search engine internet information, whereas ChatGPT, as I understand it, kind of gets loaded by versions of information that's up to certain years, uh, unless you pay for the $20. ChatGPT often doesn't know things about current events and stuff going on or new hardware that's out, whereas Google Bard does. And so I find Google Bard in, in some use cases to actually be better, but your point is dead on. ChatGPT has dominated the headlines for so long at this point. I don't know that anybody will care about me mentioning Google Bard at all because they've learned yeah. ChatGPT. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of hilarious yeah. because ChatGPT is a terrible name, name. Yeah. It is. for an AI system. Yes. It's I, awful. I've actually recently been hearing a kid saying instead of Google, Google it, they're saying GPT it. Oh, that's the, that's the latest thing I've been hearing the kids say. Yeah, that that's that's the <laughs> level of effectiveness that proves if you have something cool and it is interesting and people like it and find enough value, it yeah. doesn't matter how terribly named you make it. You can still get past it. But Google's also trying to prove that too with Bard. Because that's a terrible name, too. Yeah. I think it, Google it Bard is. is better. It's better. Yeah. It's still a bad name because the term Bard is also for not being allowed to do stuff. Now, it's not yeah. spelled the same way, but it's the they're, same they're word. the Bard that, you know, uh, goes on your World of Warcraft quest with you and the, with the violin and oh, inspires you with the, the, the singing Bard. You gotcha. Know? Gotcha. Yeah. Like the Witcher. Yeah. Like, there you go. Like the Witcher. Well, <laughs> It was interesting because I've recently read some articles and saw some interviews with uh, also going uh, to your AI. yeah people that work at uh, uh, Google talking about you know the the advantage that Bard has because it has Google search behind it yeah and that's that's something that Microsoft hasn't done as well so if Bard takes off it could well we, we can we can be googling it again. <laughs> Here's here's the thing that's that stinks is you know ChatGPT kind of started with this open source philosophy. Yeah, now and, and now it's yeah. closing Abandoned down. That and now yeah. we have major companies that have taken control of the only two platforms that will probably be of any threat at this juncture and we're right back again to where we are with everything else whether it's internet browsers search engines where you've got two three big players or even the phone world where we've got to choose between apple or android pretty much i mean there are alternatives but they're barely on the radar and that's for especially for anybody outside of kind of tech and geek stuff they're not even on the radar or they've never even heard of these things and yeah. we're right back here with ai now i will say open source companies like mattermost are intelligently jumping on this potential problem we're talking about here with the privacy and security thing, offering a customizable chat GPT bot framework built to be integrated with OpenAI and various crowd LLMs for embedding AI assistance with the focus on security. Why is this important? So what's happening in the business world right now in corporate America is they're freaked out just like the education colleges and stuff are. They're so freaked out that there are meetings happening constantly um, I've talked to friends in different industries. It's happening in my industry where we're like mm. telling employees, do not utilize this stuff. It is not private. It is not secure. Do not use it to do your job and post a bunch of company secrets mm -hmm. to get an yeah. email written correctly for you or create uh. a PowerPoint for you or whatever yeah. or put our actual customer data potentially. Like people are utilizing 
wow. in, in businesses, they're utilizing this stuff with not realizing there is zero privacy. It says when you log into chat GPD and stuff like, Hey, we're going to, people are going to be manually looking at this data. Yes. Developers are going to see this data. Put any personal data. Don't yeah. put personal stuff here, but people aren't realizing that or thinking about it because people don't think about privacy and security. So why is matter most interesting here? Well, they're going after businesses with their AI solution saying, Hey, you host your own version of it. It's all private. It's all secure. It's a good idea. Nobody. It's a really smart idea for them yeah. to go after that. So it at least opens up a play for that uh, for now. But please understand how much of a privacy issue these tools are. And do not be putting stuff out there in them that you don't want others to uh, know about you or see. Uh, I could hear Zeb in my head saying, they already know everything about me. Who cares? I just heard that. We'll have to ask Zeb uh, in the after <laughs> show if that's truly what he would say about this. But in any case, I thought it was interesting, Jill. Uh, yeah. I thought the story was kind of neat to neat in a scary way to think about that. How did we end up right back with two major corporations controlling? Oh, I know. It's uh, Netflix and IE all over again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, like, uh, Two weeks ago on Destination Linux episode 321, we had talked about the open source project NVIDIA Guardrails. Yeah. That, that's supposed to create a framework for for the chat AIs. And that's going to, that's so needed right now because people are freaking out and you need NVIDIA to save control the day. over it. Yeah. In, <laughs> in open source. In open source. <laughs> I mean, I know people what are ready for their world jobs. We live in. You know, afraid for their jobs just in the last few months of, you know, learning about chat GPT. You know, people are, are going crazy with it. They're yeah, I saw scared. a headline. You understand. <laughs> I don't know if it was true or not. I didn't actually click the headline and read it. The headline was Wendy's to replace uh, order taking Oh yeah. with yeah. AI. So instead of having a person there listening to you say, I want, you know, a cheeseburger with no lettuce and extra bacon and blah, blah, blah. The AI just hears you, does the order, prints it out to the, the cook. So that would be one. I can't wait for people to yeah. go to the drive-thru that has the greatest speaker system and the most perfect microphones yeah. to have a robot listening. And then you say, I would like a Big Mac. You would like me to call your mom? <laughs> what? So that's Ryan, what I expect from this nonsense. If it was Siri, it but, would be that bad. Yes. <laughs> what, what happens when you need to get your money refunded because they didn't give you the right order? No, no, no. If guaranteed, that would happen ninety yeah. percent of the time. I, that yeah, because you go back through the line and what do you say? Like my order is yeah. not correct. You want to double your order? Is that what you're saying? Okay, that'll be four hundred dollars. What? <laughs> Whose yeah. order did you double? Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see how it works out for Wendy's. Um, but Jill, take if us, it's true, let's get out of this dystopian yeah. world. Let's talk about something I'm happy. Happy in gaming. <laughs> what do we got? So this week's game is actually a completely open source game that you can you know, likely download from your distro's repository and is available as a flat pack, which is the way I installed it. The game is called Lix, L-I-X. Lix is a Lemmings-like game with puzzles, editors, and it has multiplayer. 
and it was inspired by the popular game Lemmings from DMA Design back in 1991. Everyone remember playing Lemmings? <laughs> I did. I love that game. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, so Lix features the ability to assign skills to guide the Lix through their 700 single-player puzzles. And you can design your own levels with the included editor. Or you can attack and defend in real-time multiplayer for two to eight players. Who can save the most licks? Those cute little creatures we all want to guide to the gate. <laughs> or and you want to destroy <laughs> terribly. Yes. I mean, there's two true. types of players of lemmings. There was the players who took it very seriously to save the lemmings. And then there were players who just wanted to see creative I, ways they could kill the lemmings. I have a feeling yeah. that we have the opposite thing. I would save them and you would let them fall into Die. their... That's Aww. not true. I would not just let them fall. I creatively <laughs> made death traps. Yeah. I wanted them to... I wanted them to have a glorious death. Not it just, wasn't just a basic aw. death. Yes, no, they must was, they must go through the hoops and obstacles to death. It was like this, I would try to create like the seven layers of Hades with them and things, you know, like they have multiple you ways. You will to be die. going to Carter. Oh boy. Yes. That's how aw. I enjoyed the game. Well, you know, the sound effects are, are so cute and licks, and the game design and menu is extremely easy to use. I was really impressed by the menu system. And I honestly enjoyed the puzzle aspect of guiding the licks through the obstacles to the gates to the next levels by, you know, using my mouse and assigning skills to them to create diagonal staircases, bridges, and tunnels. Did you like killing them too, Jill? No. Oh. No, I, I tried I'm to the get them one. safely I mean, to their... I'm surprised. Jill's usually like a very... She's so like, savage. Yeah, savage, <laughs> violent person. So I was expecting shocked her to... Shocked by that answer. Aww. I know, super shocked. <laughs> we need to protect the Lix army. <laughs> so, and yeah, so for those of you that aren't aware of the 1991 hit, Lemmings actually introduced a new kind of game where your goal is to guide the helpless bunch of anthropomorphized rodents so that they will oh, reach the gate They should gate just call safely. them politicians. That would be shorter. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the paths were full of dangers, hazards, dead ends, and even and traps. much more accurate. <laughs> yeah. So Lix is a fork <laughs> of Lemmings. And I really enjoyed playing Lemmings, uh, honestly, back in the day on my Amiga 500 when the game was released in 1991. So I got to play it before others did on their on the PC. So <laughs> Rub it in my face, Jill. Well, it's kind of funny because when, Jill, when you said, for those not aware of the 1991 hit Lemmings, I thought, yeah. yes, people, you could play games in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a different experience. But yes, it was it possible. was. It was possible. Well, let's get into our software spotlight. So our software spotlight this week is I'm just gonna say W G E R because I don't know Gur. W Gur. Wager. Or I was thinking Wager. Wager. Like Wager. Wager. Uh it it's just type in W G E R. It's a fitness, nutrition, and weight tracking app. This workout manager's open source has features like choosing your daily meals for more than seventy-eight thousand products. And it includes nutritional values with that. This is important for a lot of people with the calories in, calories out thing. Uh, there's a lot of apps out there that do this, but generally what they do is they'll give you like 
a thousand items and then to unlock the rest you have to pay monthly subscriptions oh, yeah. to be able to see you know mcdonald's latest menu or taco bells which just avoid those all together yeah if you are you gonna can, be using this app you should probably let's not be honest use. sometimes you're on the road you want to see what's the most healthiest thing i can eat at this crap restaurant that i'm going to in my opinion crap restaurants add meals to the <laughs> nutritional plan and keep an overview of your diet in the calendar create your own workouts out of growing a variety from 200 different exercises already there then use the gym mode to guide you through the training while you log your weight with one tap never lose sight of your goals track your weight keep your statistics and the rest api uh, to access and do amazing things with that as well uh, it's open source, so you can do what you want with it, which makes it even more amazing there. Do you want to run it on your own server? Uh, or maybe you run a gym and you literally want to have this for other people there to have access while they're at your gym. Um, if you want to implement new features, if you want to uh, make sure your data is not sent to anybody else, utilize an open source version of this app. And this is really important to keep track of. Uh, from a nutritional standpoint and from a fitness standpoint. And if you want something, a companion to go along with it, we have a new podcast on this network mm -hmm. called Fit and Fueled. And hey. this is a personal trainer who's won a many awards out there for bodybuilding. But I love their approach because this isn't somebody who's just going to scream in your ear like, oh my gosh, get out there, get to the gym, blah, 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 yes. you can do it. They're giving you real things that you can do with your nutrition and real workouts you can do at home for the average person, like a yes. Michael, per se. Me and Jill are like top tier <laughs> athletes. So based on this, we were talking about the podcast when we first started talking about, or talking to the personal trainer about it, she was describing it in a way that made me feel like more comfortable because you took up all these podcasts. It's typically like these personal trainers are all screaming at you and they want you to, you know, get the best out of your life. Never eat a potato chip. Yeah. Yeah. That but they, they, they're like, get the best out of your life by making your life miserable. Yes. Never <laughs> so, enjoy food again. Yeah. Is, that's not a great thing. But I asked a couple questions and she had like answers that were so simplified that I could do it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. The fact that she was so prepared for it and also has that approach this this podcast is so exciting because it could be good for many people in our community and also selfishly for me exactly yeah. you know? a lot of our hosts have said they're excited about this because selfishly for them <laughs> yeah. to get help in there which is really cool uh taking care of your body and mind is really important how does this fit in with linux and open source and hardware and tech and everything else because we got big brains it's just a fact and if you want to take care of your brain you want to take care of your body especially many of us get very comfortable in our chairs at home, not moving, That's programming, me. doing all of these things. And yep. it's really bad for your health. It's like really bad. Regular physical activity, according to the CDC, can reduce your risk of cognitive decline, including dementia, and it can help you sleep and feel better, which means we could code more better stuff. We could develop and yeah. create better stuff uh, because we're taking care of ourselves. And especially after this whole pandemic and everything else, I think that it fits perfectly in with what we're doing with Tux Digital in there. And this person is absolutely amazing. It's helped me on my journey. A lot of people have made comments about uh, my fitness and things, and you could thank Your this person arms? directly. Yes, those noodle arms everyone talks about mm -hmm. uh, with the work that they've done because they've helped me tremendously in my journey. So. 
I, I've listened to the first two episodes, and I think the, the first episode, Nikki broke it down really easy to un- understand for us nerds yep. that, you know, how important muscle health is, you know, for your overall well-being and being able to think and code and, and do all the, the tech things we do. Yeah. So she just really broke that down really nicely. And in the second episode, she talked about nutrition. So yep. that Which that is was, very important. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> take nutrition for granted because mm-hmm. they always think about the exercise is what you need, but you need both components. You need, you need both. exercise and nutrition. And as a quintessential nerd, my nutrition is not good. <laughs> so Aww. that episode was very helpful and yeah. I can't wait for more. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. So go check it out, Fit and Fueled. You'll see the big Tux Digital logo in the top left corner. Uh, it's an awesome creation for the actual logo for the podcast because Michael... I made it. That's made right. It, and it's mm-hmm. so dope. It's so good. Art. It's really cool. Yeah. There's a story there too because we actually hired somebody to do the art and it was so bad, thankfully, that Michael was like, I'll just do it and then created something awesome. So yeah. nothing else. Go check out his art there. Uh, that's, that's how it, Ryan gets me That's sometimes. how I get him every time, let's He's, be honest. He showed me... I send him crap and then he gets so mad he fixes it and I win. Well, one of, them, <laughs> one of the things you sent me, the person even misspelled the, part, the name yeah, of the podcast. it was fantastically like, bad. It was terrible. Love it. So I just spent maybe an hour and I fixed and I made a whole yes. new thing and it was fine. So, yeah, so Ryan knows the trick and I shouldn't allow it to work every time. So that's our it, tip and so- trick of the week. If you know somebody <laughs> talented in art or graphics but they won't work on your project, send yes. them crap because they didn't help you and then they will feel obligated to fix it because it's so bad. Honestly, that would be a good tip of the week. We yeah. could just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the tip of the week. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. Join us on Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And if you want to watch the show live, you can become a patron of Destination Linux. And you can watch us live when we record this on Sundays. And watching live is just one of the awesome perks. You can get so many more when you become a patron. And you can also get access to unedited versions of the show. So we do edit a little bit of the show and some pieces, they got to hit the cutting room floor, as they say, and you get full access to the entirety if you become a patron. Plus, if you do watch live, you can join us in the patron-only post-show that happens every week after the show. I can too? I mean, we will have to consider it, but you'll probably be allowed, Brian. Thank you. I, I guess. I might be there too. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone. Ryan might be there, but Jill will for sure. So that's yeah. just oh, that's signing enough. up right now. Exactly. <laughs> go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to sign up and become a patron. Also, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store to get some awesome swag. We have t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, stickers, coasters, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And make sure to check out all our incredible shows here on Text Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon, and our newest show, Fit and Fueled. Yeah. 
Everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everyone have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Love you all. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> For those just listening to audio, they're not going to get that. I Michael's here in the room, and I poked his rib cage like the pills. Oh yeah, we should like, specify that I'm actually here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like, why are they going with who? Is that a Lemmings thing? <laughs> <laughs> There's know. also a part earlier in the show where you said something, and I thought, oh, we should have probably said that in the audio. Yeah, maybe, yeah. but it, is. it happens. <laughs> oh, You're welcome, gosh. people.